going to talk about the idea of what happens from here to where or when a storm of life hits us that we're not prepared for. Now, I just want to say, you guys are an awesome looking bunch, okay? Just, just thought I'd let you know that to start with. Usually when we go through an or, a door that God opens up to us, usually when we have an opportunity, a possibility, or a conviction, and there is a door that is opened up to us, we have in store an outcome, or we have something in mind of where we think that door is going to lead to. Very rarely do we go through an open door, not sure, and just kind of, hey, I'm just going to go and just see where it goes. Usually we have an outcome in mind. We kind of have a, well, this is going to make my life somehow better. Not many of us go through an open door believing that on the other side of it, there's failure, there's loss, there's hurt, there's pain. We take chances, we take opportunities, we we live by our passions, we do our convictions because somehow by going through those sort of open doors, we believe that God has something better on the other side. Even Jesus made it very clear, when you have an opportunity to go through an open door, count the cost. Get your list, your paper out, and begin to write it down. In fact, let's go ahead and read up here in, in, in Luke chapter 14. Here's what Jesus is about when you get ready to go through an open door. Here's how to begin to approach it. He says this, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king? Getting ready to go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 can defeat the other guys of 20,000. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still a far way off. And then Jesus makes this little comment he says so you cannot my disciple without giving up everything you own that's kind of an interesting thought in other words Jesus says before you choose to go through an open door you might want to sit and count the cost now that little thought is absolutely terrifying to those of us who are live by the seat of our pants let's just be spontaneous and go for it but for those of us who are, let's get this planned out. I mean, that just makes common sense. So wherever you find yourself, you either sit there and you look at Jesus' words and you're either saying, I don't know if I can live like that. Or you're sitting there saying, Jesus, preach it, buddy. We know where you're at. That, that's the way we live. Yet, I've got to be honest. Even when you have sat down, you have counted the cost, You have gone through all the scenarios. You have put in the hard work. And you even see success in what you're doing. There are times when we find ourselves in the middle of a, of a storm and we're saying now from here to where. 
And we kind of, our hands are almost up in the air and we're saying, I find myself here, but I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where to get to that next step. In Mark's gospel, Mark was a young guy who was not one of Jesus' 12 followers. He was around a lot, and we believe he probably did follow a lot from afar off. But Mark, often referred to as a guy by the name of John Mark, was actually an early traveler of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. He had a bit of a falling out with Paul for a while, and somewhere and sometime in, in there, he got hooked up with Peter. And we believe that the Gospel of Mark is probably Peter's recollections of his time with Jesus. And so when we read through the book of Mark, we kind of look at this as almost this is the Gospel of Peter. Now, one of the things that I love about Peter is that Peter was one of these fishermen who always said exactly what came to his mind. He said it in a way that was so simple, so let me just tell you what I think. He doesn't try to, in a sense, smooth it all out and try to, to make it sound better than what it was. In fact, when he, you read through the book of Mark, you get, hey, here's just the facts. This is the way it was. And so Mark records Peter's words, and, and there's this time when I want to kind of share with you where the disciples or the followers of Jesus found themselves in one of these I wasn't expecting this. I don't know where to go from here. In fact, it kind of goes like this. Here's how it started. There was a group of guys who had an opportunity to follow, to go through an open door that would have been your dream open door. You see, Jesus at the time was probably the greatest celebrity in that area at that moment. I mean, if you had been around and, and you'd seen one of Jesus' miracles of when he sat and he touched someone and they were healed, their blindness was taken away so that they could see where guys who, who hadn't been able to walk all of a sudden were walking. I mean, there was things that, it, it was just unreal. It, it was, to many people, it was like the greatest show you could go to. Now, Jesus wasn't intending it for it to be that, but that's the way a lot of people saw it. And to make it even better, Jesus would look out and he would tell stories. We call them parables, but they were stories that were kind of so puzzling. They were like a riddle. They kind of got the guys, well, what is Jesus, what's he meaning by this? And so at as Jesus came out and he looked at Peter and he looked at the other 11 guys and he called them, hey guys, will you come follow me? Will you come be a part of my disciples? These guys had an open door and an opportunity that, hey, anybody within the right mind at that time would have said, sure, we'll follow. We want to see what's going to happen. We're curious about these things that you're talking about. And so they took up their dream open door in a sense. They took up this opportunity that, that you couldn't imagine. Now, this moment of, of from here to where or from this unexpected, I don't know what to do, happened in a little bit like this. There was this morning, Jesus got up and he said, guys, it's, let's go down by the Sea of Galilee and, and I want to teach you some things. And so he took his closest followers and he began 
to walk towards the Sea of Galilee. The day was beautiful. The sun was shining. And as he got down by the Sea of Galilee, and he would often teach down by the Sea of Galilee because around those areas there were these beautiful hills that would kind of wrap up, that would kind of slope down to the sea. But these hills would allow Jesus to stand lower down and his disciples to kind of sit up on the hills and he could talk in a way that he could talk for hours without having to strain his voice because it acted like a natural amphitheater. And so without a microphone, without having to raise his voice, he could sit and he could talk and his voice would carry up to those hills. Well, as Jesus was heading down to the Sea of Galilee, the crowds began to follow. Hey, Jesus is coming through. Hey, let's go see what he's gonna do today. Let's go see if he's got another one of these great stories. And so as they got down to the Sea of Galilee, the crowds had gotten so thick and so so packed in that Jesus finally had to say, all right, guys, let's get into a boat. And he sat him and he pushed just off the shore there so that he could sit and teach his followers without being trampled to death. And I mean, if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, this is, I mean, this is what you you live for. Jesus was at his finest. He taught, he, he sat, and he, he, would, he would sit, and he would look out, and he would say, guys, for those of you who are so far away from your God, from your Father, there is a Father who loves you and desires a relationship with you. And he would begin to stop, and he would begin to point out their faults, yet without making it sound like, I, I, I'm a better than you but in a way that stopped and said there is a loving father who's got a better plan and has got something good and he wants a relationship with you. Now this was so foreign to them because God wanting a relationship with normal, common, broken people, that, that was reserved for those who actually made a life of, I mean, they made a living out of being holy. There were people who, That was their job, that they kind of worked to get close to God, and then they kind of just sort of told the rest what God wanted from them. But Jesus sat there, and he said, Guys, there is a Father who loves you. There is a Father who's got something better for you. There's a Father who who wants to call you from where you are to somewhere better than. And on that day, as Jesus taught, as he had the crowds, man, right where, right where you wanted them. The crowds were in, into the message. The crowds understood, and it was a day to be a follower. We've had those days. Haven't you had those days? When you've gone through an open door, you've worked hard, you're tired, but hey, you look back over what you've done, and and. You've gone through, and it has just, it's been a success. It's worked out. The plan has come together. In fact, I want to take you back to an an open door that I I hope you have gone through. For those of you who've given your life to Jesus Christ, do you remember going through that open door, that moment? When you made a choice, you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and something 
happened? When you understood that that stuff that weighs us down, the guilt because of the wrong, the sin, the messes that we have made, Jesus comes in and he says, I don't condemn you. In fact, I want to forgive you. I want to bestow grace on you. In fact, I want to do something better. I want to love you and provide a place for you. I want to call you from where you're at to somewhere better. I want to give you a clean start, a fresh start, a clean slate. And do you remember when you stopped and you said, hey, that's what I want. I choose to follow. And there was almost like this weight that was lifted off, this burden that disappeared, this, this moment of realization where you wanted to tell someone That open door. You know what? The time has changed. The moment when these disciples chose to follow Jesus Christ, when they made a commitment to follow, and the moment you chose to follow Jesus Christ, the scenery has changed. We're not sitting around the Sea of Galilee. We're not, we're not sitting in fishing boats. But the emotions are still exactly the same. There is a Father in heaven who loves us, who wants a relationship with us. The scenery may be different, but the story hasn't changed. And when we choose to go through it, there's something exciting. There's something wonderful. But the story gets a little bit more complicated. And if you've been here, you know that you can't live on that moment. Life doesn't stop. So what happened this day? In fact, I'm going to continue to finish the story. And we'll look at the passage here in just a second. But here's what ended up happening. As Jesus had ended up teaching for, we don't know how many hours, but it had probably been quite a few. It wasn't like a Sunday morning service where he got up here and he preached a half hour sermon. In fact, what probably happened was that Jesus had by this time had been four, five, six, seven, eight, we don't know how long, sitting there teaching the crowds through the heat of the day. And finally, as the evening is starting to come, he stops and he says to his followers, guys, we need to go home. I'm tired. Now, I'm putting this in, and we know this is what is going on because we see what happens later. Guys, it's starting to get dark. It's starting to cool down. We need to go home. I'm tired. I can't do this much longer. I've been out here through the heat of the day. It's been a beautiful day, and but I'm just, I'm tired. I, I don't know how to get back through the crowds, but hey, we're already in the boat. You guys, some of you guys are fishermen. We can sell this thing. Let's go to the other side, and we'll go home from that way. Disciples say, that sounds like a plan to us. So they push off and they start hitting back across the sea. Now, as they began to pull off and as the evening was starting to come, there's a strange thing that happens around the Sea of Galilee at certain times. It comes out of the blue. It's, it's not of all the time, but it happens regularly enough that we know from what we understand is that Fishermen feared these nights. 
what would happen is that as the temperature would begin to drop, in, in some places at the top of the hills, it would begin to drop faster and cooler than it did on the lake. And as it dropped cooler up here, that cold air would rush down the hillside and it would crash into, and it's almost like a literal, a crash into the warm, moist air that is coming off the lake. And as these two almost fronts hit each other in this very condensed, small spot, these freak storms would just come out of the blue. You couldn't plan for them. It wasn't based upon weather systems coming in out of the oceans or coming across. It was just these freak storms that would happen because of the cool air hitting this hot air and it just would create these massive storms in a short period of time that was known to actually sink fishermen's boats. And this night happened to be one of those nights. In fact, let's read kind of Mark's recollections of Peter's words up here. Here's how he put it. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind. And I like the way Peter kind of, he's just trying to fill in some of the gaps for us because he even stops and he says this, The crowds were so bad so that even trying to get away by boat, there were others that had also thought, well, let's follow him in our boats. And so he just stops and he says, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came upon or came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill that little boat with water. Here was a storm in the middle of that perfect day that came out of the blue, that was unexpected, that was out of their control, that they had no, they had no way in order to know that it was coming. They had no way in order to control it. In fact, it got so bad that we understand that the waves were violently crashing into their boat and, and not just onto it, but literally was about to sink their boat. There was no escaping it. It was sudden. It was fierce. It was hard. In fact, I want to be quite honest to you. When they came to this from here to where moment, uh, that may be stretching it a bit far because there in their minds, there was no from here to where. It was simply from here it's all over. I can't even, this storm that has hit me, it's not even just that it's left me at a loss. It, this storm that hit him left him at a complete devastation. This is it. This is the final. I'm done. There's no coming back from this moment. In fact, if we're trying to say, hey, you know the scenery may have changed, but the emotions haven't, we've all hit these moments. It comes to all of us in a different way at a different time, and it hits us all. I mean, we could start going through. For those of you who ever had a spouse that came in one day and said, it's done, I don't love you anymore, I'm leaving. Where did that come from? It's out of the blue, it was unexpected. There's no way to come out. There's no from here to where, it's this is it. 
That moment when you find out that you have a loved one who's dealing with a mental illness that, that neither you nor they know where to turn to when it just seems like this is it, I'm stuck, it's done, this is devastating. Or that moment when you've been loyal to a company that you have loved to work for and the boss comes in on, on a Friday and says, oh, by the way, I won't need you Monday. And for that fact, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in fact, just don't bother to come back in again. The storm can hit suddenly, it hits unexpectedly, it's out of your control, there's no, well, from here to where. In fact, the from here to where gets to the point of just simply, I don't even know if I'm gonna make it through this one. I can't see beyond this night, it is too dark, the waves are crashing so hard, all I can see is my boat is about to fill and I'm about to go under. You see, when we talk about open doors, it's easy to talk about an open door that opens up to us and we have this passion, we have these possibilities, we've got these convictions and we're gonna go through them. And so many times, it's exciting to see what God allows us to do. But on the other side of those doors, sometimes there is a storm that was not expected. It was unplanned. It was out of your control. From here to where? Here's the really hard part. We read up here. They're in the middle of the storm. The wave is crashing in. The boat is about to sink. And Jesus is where? Well, I'm going to read the verse in just a moment, but let me just kind of explain where we find Jesus. He's in the back of the boat asleep. His head's on a pillow. He's tired. He's been at it all day. You see, these group of guys who had gone through an open door, who had an opportunity to do something that you could only dream about doing, of following this man who, who kind of just, there was no one like him. There never was and there never has been another guy who literally shook the world like he was at the time. the opportunity, the passion. And yet in this moment, when they had given up everything, they had, they had stopped and, and they had given up their careers, they had given up their life to simply follow because this was an opportunity of a lifetime. You couldn't give this up. And yet the guy they chose to follow is in the back of the boat while well, they're all about to drown. In fact, I'm sure in their mind, can, can I just say this? As they had following this man at this moment, they're still not even convinced who he is. It's not like, well, Jesus, God, the God man is, is in the back of the boat sleeping and he could save us if he was awake. That, that's not in the back of their mind. They're not even really sure who he is. All they know is that he's like no one else and he can do things like no one else and we're, he's kind of, he, he's a bit of an enigma at times and we can't fully understand him. But And so as they're looking at him, Here's the man we've chosen to follow who we're not even sure he truly is yet. He's sleeping. 
I'm sure in the back of their mind that they're thinking, hey, maybe he could just wake up and give us, come on guys, an inspirational talk, you know, one of those little TED talks or, or one of those inspirational sayings such as, come on guys, if we all pull together, we can get through this. Just come on, keep, keep going. Don't give up. Keep going. You can do it. You can do it. I mean, he could sit in the back of the boat and at least do that. He could even do a, hey guys, that was a great show that we were able to put on. You've been the best mates I could have. Thank you for being a part of it. He could have even have said this, you guys have been my best friends. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Guys, thank you for being there. He could have even gone spiritual on him and he could have said, guys, we're going down, but keep the faith and I'll see you on the other side. But they didn't get any of that. They didn't get a scream. They didn't get a holler. They didn't get a cry. There was no Jesus in the back of the boat praying hard for them. There was simply a man on a pillow, fast asleep, waves crashing around him. And so you know what the disciples did? They did the exact thing that you and I do. In fact, let's go ahead and read what it says. Because I, I think there's something so real because the scenery changes, but the emotions don't. You see, it's easy to read a story like this to something to our Sunday school kids and to say there was this time when Jesus was out on the Sea of Galilee and it, was, and it got a little stormy and, and so the disciples woke Jesus up and said, Jesus, we're gonna drown. And so Jesus looks out and he says, that's enough, it's okay. But, but Peter says it like this. So Jesus was, at the, was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And I love the way Peter just says it like, hey, he had his head on a cushion. I mean, where do you find a cushion in a boat? I don't know. But he found a cushion and his head was on a cushion. And so the disciples woke him up gently to tell him that they're about to drown. No, no, that's not what it says, is it? The disciples woke him up. What's the next word? Shouting. <laughs> they're screaming at him. Jesus, hey, you. I'm sure if they had a shoe or so, they were probably thrown. I don't know. But here's the reality. I love what it is when they shout at him. They don't call him Messiah. They don't call him, hey, you the one who's going to save the world. You who've got... You know, we sing the little song, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. That is not in their mind. Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? I'm just saying what Peter said. I'm sure that's the way Peter, Peter said. In other words, he said what you and I say. Now, we may not shout out loud because if you've been a Christian for a little while, if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for a little while, you know this. 
we don't want anyone else to know that we sometimes shout at God. Do we? I mean, so you wouldn't do it literally out loud, but we do in our minds. We do in our emotions, and we stop and we, we shout at God. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see the storm that I am going through? Now, I know this. All of us can tell stories of these moments. I, I, there's several in my life, but, but there was this one moment, I'll just be brutally honest with you, when I found out my dad had Lewy body syndrome. My dad had two dreams, and if you've, you've heard me probably tell the story before, but my dad had two dreams. One was to buy my mom a Mustang, and the other was to visit the Grand Canyon. Those were his two dreams. And so when he retired, his two dreams, I'm gonna buy my mom a Mustang, and I'm gonna visit the Grand Canyon. My dad came down with Lewy body syndrome and then had a stroke on top of it. And overnight, those dreams shattered taken away and there was something that within me I, I hollered I screamed at God and I never did it out loud because I was standing in front of people telling them all hey you can trust God you can trust him and yet in my soul I saw Jesus at the back of the boat asleep on a cushion in my life while the storm was raging around me. He's sleeping on the back of the cushion. Have you been in that storm? Do you feel that emotion? Do you feel the heartache, the heartbreak as these disciples are looking at the one asleep? And they're about to drown. Here's what I find terrifying. In fact, I don't just find it terrifying. The disciples found it terrifying too. Jesus wakes up. In fact, let's go ahead and put that up on the screen real quickly. He wakes up. Here's what happens. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked him, or he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, we're not gonna read this verse, but if you read the verse right after this, when the calm hit the Bible says there was great terror. And it's amazing because if you actually look at it in the Greek, there are three times it uses the word great. It uses the fact that it talks about there was a great storm. They found themselves in a great storm. It uses it in the word calm, and there was a great calm. And then as we begin to read the next verse after this, you would think, there would be relief. The calm has come, and there would be relief, but we read the disciples' response is not calm. It's not 
but of terror. Someone is sitting in the boat who can look up to the wind and to the waves and say, quiet, it's time to be at rest. That's what means silence, be still. That means it's doing with the same thing. It's time to quiet down. Let's be at rest. Now, I don't know whether Jesus said those words simply for that storm or if as those words are recorded, in a sense, he speaks those same words into the storm that comes into my life. When I find myself at that place, at that moment, at that time, Jesus says, quiet, be at rest. And then he goes on with this question. What are you afraid of? What is scaring you? What is terrifying you? What is causing your faith to be at lack? He could have, maybe he could have asked this, are you guys afraid of loss? I mean, the fishing boat that they're in is somebody's livelihood. And I mean, that's not easy to replace. Maybe he's looking at him and saying, are you afraid there's no one who's going to miss you tomorrow? Maybe he was looking at them and saying, why are you afraid? Are you afraid of being out of control? Of not being able to control the situation? And I want to be honest with you, if it's me, my answer would be yes, yes, and yes. I am. Jesus, I don't know how you can ask that question because, hey, You know me. You see into my heart. You saw the storm you just brought us through. Jesus' response is still the same. Quiet down. It's time to be at rest. All right, I'm gonna need to move real fast because my time is about done. But but here's the question. And and we're gonna finish this up a little bit more in a second. But he, he stops and he's as that boat made it to the other side. From here now to where? You see, that moment created an opportunity to go from a situation to somewhere else. That night in that boat, it was simply to the other side. In your life, when we make it through the storm, when something happens to say, I made it through, and I don't know how I made it through, but somehow I made it through, We're given an opportunity from here to where. Where did the disciples go? They could have said, that was enough. I'm going home. I don't want to deal with any more of those moments. That was terrifying. Jesus, you were a good teacher, but I'm going to find someone who doesn't put us into these situations. They could have said, you know what? That was an awesome opportunity, but I'm going back to my job. Jesus, thank you for that open door, but... Someone else can go through it for me. You know what we find? The disciples continue to follow. They continue to get into boats with this man. That alone should tell you something. 
they weren't sure exactly who he was. They couldn't figure out what was going to happen next. But here's the truth. They found someone who could speak into that storm and say, quiet down, be at rest. Why are you afraid? I'm going to just kind of wrap this up a little bit like this. And so I'm going to kind of move this really quick. So hang on with me and just see if you can follow along. There was a greater storm that was about to follow. Now, there were many storms that followed. And if, if you read through the Gospels, through these books of these followers that followed Jesus Christ, there were many storms that happened. But there was a, an event, a storm that happened that came so out of the blue for the disciples. And even though Jesus had warned them, it caught them off guard. One night after Passover, the disciples found themselves in a garden late at night, surrounded by soldiers. A scuffle breaks out, and Jesus gets taken off. In fact, we find him surrounded, and a trumped-up case had been brought against him. And they convene a real quick midnight, I don't know if it was mid, quite midnight, but they convened a late-night court session for one purpose only, and that was to condemn a guy to death. And that night, after having gone through storm after storm after storm, after hearing Jesus say over and over and over again into their lives and into their storms, quiet down, be at rest, why are you afraid? They found themselves at a storm that they didn't think they could get through. And that night, they left him. They departed. You see, they found themselves at a place, at a storm, at a door that was being opened up that they did not want to go through, that they were not wanting to be a part of because this door led only to one end. And that was a cross for the guy who was speaking into the storms. They didn't want a part of it. And so that night, they left. Three days later, though, something happened that changed everything. Because Jesus, even in that storm that led to the most devastation that we could ever imagine, Jesus still spoke into that storm, quiet, be at rest, why are you afraid? And I'm sure that that voice, in fact, Jesus said it a little simpler at the cross. He said it like this, it is finished, it's done. I've completed it. And three days later, something happened. The guy they abandoned was found walking on the streets. Okay, something in one night turned a bunch of guys from a bunch of cowards to people who turned the world upside down. Guys who were willing to lay down on a cross themselves. Guys that were willing to be dunked in oil, guys that literally went all over the world and they were not afraid to give up everything for a guy who spoke into a storm. One event. There was other events that caused them to keep following for a while, but eventually there was one event, one moment that turned their world upside down, and that was the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he spoke a final be quiet, be at rest. There's no need to be afraid. 
your faith could be made whole. See, that moment changes everything. All right, we've just stopped, and I've talked at you for over a half an hour to simply bring you one point. I hope you remember Jesus' words. Quiet, be at rest while you're afraid. But, but here's one I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with just one thought, and I'm going to put it up here. Yes, plan where you can. Go through the open doors. Do what you can. But when all else seems lost, hold on to that one event because in that moment, it changes everything. The storm that you are going through in your life holds nothing in comparison to the one that went that night that was conquered. Fear does not have to be a part of our lives because, hey, there is a guy who's conquered it. That doesn't mean that the storm you're going through is going to be any easier or any less traumatic. It simply means there is a hope from, a, from here to a not, it's done, but a from here to somewhere better. There is a place. There is a plan. There is a purpose for those who choose to go through that open door to follow Jesus Christ. So when you find yourself in that storm, look, shout at Jesus. Throw your shoes at him if you need to. But he spoke into the greatest storm worse than anything that you and I could ever imagine. And I know the ones that we go through seem like it is it. It's finished. But he spoke into a storm so great that it gives us hope, not just into this life, but into one which is to come. Father, this morning, I just want to stop and I want to say thank you. Thank you that you loved us so much. You went to a cross. You spoke into a storm so great a storm that was basically, that was rolling across the history of time. And you weren't satisfied to allow us to stay in that storm. You looked up. And you saw that storm. And you spoke into it. And you said, quiet, be at rest. There's no need to be afraid. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed real quickly, I want to challenge you with just this thought a moment. Where are you? I don't know what storm you may have gone through. I don't know what storm you are about to go through. I don't know if you're in one of those moments when the door you have gone through is just working out and God has everything going according to plan. But I know this. You will find yourself in a storm. And at the time, it is going to seem so devastating. But I want to start with the storm of life first that conquers all of us, and that is our sin. That which separates us from God. Jesus said he loved us so much, he died for us. If you have never done that, the Bible makes it very clear. He just says this, Romans chapter 3. And he stops and he reminds us, hey, the wages of sin is death goes on to say in Romans 10 verse 13 hey for whosoever will or call simply call out to me for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved call to me I'll answer 
So if you've never done that, you can do it right here sitting, God. I just ask, come be in my storm. I give you my life. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ already. Maybe the storm you're going through feels like it is about to sink your boat and you're shouting and you're hollering. Can I just say, when you don't think you can go on any farther, just simply hold on to the cross. For in that moment, there is eternal hope of something beyond where I am, where I'm going. For who can separate us from the love of Christ? Neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you spoke into the greatest storm. And Lord, you didn't stop at that storm, but you continue to speak into our storms. Quiet, be at rest. Why are you afraid? Thank you for giving me that hope. Thank you for reassuring my fears, my doubts. 